Welcome to this week's episode of Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician, therapist, and tutor living in Los Angeles. I started this podcast to explore how our multiple passions inform our identity. We're often told that we're supposed to have one passion in life and that we're supposed to define ourselves by this one passion. However, most of us actually have multiple interests and have worked at a lot of different jobs, and I was really curious how this actually changed people's ideas of their own identity in the world. I decided to interview people from many different fields to determine how their multiple passions inform their identity. You can learn more about all of the people that I have interviewed on my website, which is wnbpodcast.com. In the meantime, I really hope you enjoyed this week's interview. So I am here with Adriana Colon, and she is a bilingual voice actor and artistic director at Sacred Fools Theater. And I would like to welcome her to Why Not Both? Yay! Oh, the crowd cheers, Ooh. the swell of applause. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for coming. So I have a few of the usual questions. I am curious, we always ask each other, so what do you do? How do you answer that question? And would you, in fact, prefer a different question when people meet you? Ooh, well, the usual answer for me is to say that I'm a bilingual voice actor because that's both how I earn my living and, yeah, it feels like the thing of value that I offer that is most explainable to people, if that gotcha. makes sense. Gotcha. Um, but in terms of it, if it should be a different question, what do you do? Huh. I like that question because I feel like it does kind of just open the door of, you know, how do you spend your time, which mm. I think is a valuable marker, right? Because wherever we invest our time, that that says something about our priorities and and what we have going on in life. That's very true. It's interesting. I noticed that you said that you bring it up first because that's how you make your living. Yeah. Um, I was wondering sometimes as an artist, people aren't making their living doing their art and that sometimes people can feel devalued in that way. Has that ever happened to you? Or mm. I mean, I think it's fair to add that I came to voice acting only two years ago, but I've mm. been... In performing arts for a long time. I was in a children's choir for eight years. I was in a street theater troupe in high school. I was in a pop punk band. Then, you know, in college, I did a lot of theater arts. And it wasn't until after college that I even considered acting for camera, which is what I originally moved out here to do. Oh. Um, and I guess in that sense, you know, I'm finally at a stage where I do feel like what I say that I do lines up with both like the capitalist idea of what I do and what actually brings me joy. But but you're right. I do kind of edit out. I also have, you know, my on-camera materials and I go out for those things. And yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt that we have that social conditioning. You said the social conditioning. I had talked to another guest about how when we're at parties when you first introduce yourself to someone, you don't want to list off like a litany of things. Very true. Yes. Uh, do you ever feel that way where you're like, oh, how much do I reveal to this new person? Ooh. You know, 
you've known me for a while. You know I'm an extrovert <laughs> and I I can get so absorbed in what other people do, you know, I in the sense that I want to engage. I want to ask them the question, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just in my own experience that I know that whatever blurb I shoot off in the beginning isn't going to be the entirety of my personhood. So I think I think I've kind of come to peace with the fact that I'm going to start with like a teaser, so to speak. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll have a conversation and we'll find out more about each other. And again, I, I think because of all the podcasts that I listen to, which this one will, of course, be on that list, there is this underlying question of how do I bring people value mm-hmm. and approaching things from that perspective of can I help you? You know, um, whether that be in small ways or, or bigger ways. So that's really interesting. So do you feel like you get like a greater sense of purpose from giving people value? Oh, totally. Because, you know, when I say value, we can always look at that from the entrepreneurial perspective of, you know, can I sell you something? Um, but beyond that, it's like, how can I serve you? Mm. Um, and that might be, for example, here in Los Angeles, I, I do meet a lot of performers or writers and I can invite them to Sacred Fools as a community that welcomes writers and actors and designers and right, right. a whole gamut of artists. And I guess that's a benefit that I have, right? That I feel like I have that home to offer. Got it. And that's interesting because you said that's like the second thing that you mentioned, but it sounds like that one's actually pretty valuable if that can, like you said, that it, you can welcome other people into it. You can create value for them. You can create a home for them. Absolutely. And that one is a volunteer position. Right, right. So I, I have the title and I have the trust of my community. And that's, yeah, that's separate from any financial gain that I might get. So that sounds like it goes more in kind of like the time and effort category. And so that sounds valuable because like you were saying before, like something is valuable to you if you are spending your time on it. Like it ends up being a reflection of, oh, you must value that because you spend time on it. Exactly. So for me, it's that community is a reflection of my values. And I I grew up Catholic and I had 12 years of Catholic schooling. And for me nowadays, I would say that's my church. Mm -hmm. You know, I have theater Mm -hmm. church. So I like meeting people there. I like that it's a place for us to have conversations and take on crazy projects together. And yeah, and I, I have, like I said, the benefit of being able to invite people on that journey with me. Oh, yeah. It sounds like in a way then both of them probably are pretty integral to like how you would define yourself then. Yeah. One of them is the kind of entrepreneurial hero's journey of like (laughs) who is Adriana and then as artistic director something that I'm realizing is you know as artistic director it's less about sponsoring your own projects or getting your own things produced and it's much more about supporting other creative people and trying to foster a community around certain values Mm, gotcha so that one is kind of more like my community brain, whereas mm-hmm. voice actor is where I get to carve out a space for myself and mm, kind of, yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. That's really cool. So what, what are some of the values that you bring, I guess, to both of them? Well, as a voice actor, I bring into it, 
this very kind of go-getter attitude that I have. It's the very Gryffindor side of me where, (laughs) you know, I I really stumbled into it kind of in this, actually from sound design for theater. I bought a microphone and I realized like I have performance chops. I speak two languages because I'm from Puerto Rico and Spanish is my first language. And I thought, hey, why don't I put together a voiceover reel? And the rest is history because I now have six voiceover agents, you know, throughout the country and and record clients in my what used to be a coat closet, but is now <laughs> Adriana Cologne Studios. And. And yeah, so that's the part of my brain where I get to build a website and kind of show people what I've got and I put together demos and I research coaches and I work with them and I put together characters and I bring with me the value of being of two worlds as a Mm -hmm. Puerto Rican person. So having that Latin American experience, having that U.S. American experience, um, I bring into it, frankly, my my producer knowledge from Mm -hmm. doing college theater where I'm looking at my business both my parents are CPAs, so <laughs> the power so like of the details. spreadsheet, yeah, the power of the spreadsheet is is strong with me. Right, right. So being self-taught is something that helped, helped me a lot there, and that helps me, I think, with my clients all the time, because I just, yeah. I, I'm not someone who makes assumptions. I really try mm. to research what I do if I don't know the answer, and that's allowed me to implement a lot of technology in a short amount of time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's one reason that I can say I have a broadcast quality studio. I know my equipment really well. I can bring in people with Skype or Source Connect. So some people come to me literally for that convenience. Right. right and that right. expertise. And that sounds like it goes back to what you said about like giving people value. Absolutely. For some yeah. people, that value is going to be convenience. For other people, it's going to be you know, the kind of rapport they can have with me um, regarding the the subject yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it was, really depends. I was thinking also you said about like being of two cultures. Do you feel like that has helped you then in like all of the spheres that we've been talking about that you have been able to see things from multiple perspectives? Absolutely, because... When I was running for co-artistic director of Sacred Fools, something that came up for me was diplomacy has been pretty much my whole life. I've always felt like I had one foot in one pool and one foot in the other. Mm. Pick a pool. No. (laughs) Um, Just jump in. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not the metaphor, but we're rolling with it. It's fine. But yeah, I I do feel like I'm very much of two worlds. But what that means is I got really good at negotiating Mm. between those two worlds, you know, which is why... Again, I think voiceover has been a good fit because it's like I can employ my artistic sensibilities, but I can also understand like, oh, this is a PSA. The purpose of the PSA is to accomplish this. Mm. And that's a different purpose than, say, if I were doing a video game character and then we're going for, you know, pathos or naturalism or, you know, uh, or humor. So, So I think for actors, it can be really important to kind of be able to juggle priorities in that way. Right, 
Right. There always needs to be an outside awareness, I think. I, As you can tell, I'm not a method actor. I'm not like an immerse yourself completely in the thing. I, I think having awareness of the externals is important. Right. Well, and it sounds like in some ways then the spheres of your life do overlap. Oh, absolutely. They are what makes me me. I, I tr- often try to think what, like, who would I be if I simplified? Because, you know, full disclosure, I, I work with a career coach and a big part of my goals this past year has been, let's really distill mm. what your loves are mm-hmm. and make sure that you're functioning to your highest capacity in those areas. You know, it was one of those like straight A student kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that can actually make it more challenging because right. I I took a career aptitude test my sophomore year that was meant to help figure out, you know, what direction I should go in in life. And I got like a 98 percentile in all four areas. <laughs> and I just remember being like, OK, so I've got spatial reasoning and quantitative reasoning and verbal reasoning and whatever the fourth thing was. <laughs> You're like, I got it. Whatever it was, I had it. Yeah. So it was really this sense of, so you're saying I get to pick. Yep. And that can be so intimidating. But at the same time, you can flip that and you can be like, wow, so I have choice. I have agency. I can choose a path in here. And I know that the more I start shooting for the moon mm-hmm. or being mm-hmm. really specific about the stuff that I want to do, the opportunities show up. Yeah. When you have competencies in multiple areas, then it is up to you because it's not like someone who's like, oh, well, I'm clearly really great at spatial design and math. So I'm going to go into engineering and architecture and whatnot. But uh, my critical reading skills are kind of, mm, and my communication skills aren't great. So if you're kind right. of min-maxed, you get funneled into a particular job area. Whereas if you're not, you're like, ha I'm good at all the things. And you're like, ha now I have to choose well, time sure. to hide under this blanket for a while. <laughs> and as usual, people are going to have a lot of advice about what they think you should do. And that's all well and good. Right. But, you know, satisfaction comes from what your expectations and wants and needs are. And I think a good example of that might actually be the fact that I'm currently a co-artistic director Mm -hmm. because I came to theater as a performer. I witnessed some directors and producers that I, that I pretty much like squinted my eyes and thought I can do a better job than that. Right. And pretty much I did. And I realized that I loved directing for the stage because it is such an aggregate thinking skill you know it is about Mm. looking at the whole and looking at how sound design can affect the visual can affect you know the space and the costumes and the audience because that's something you have to be thinking about constantly right and and I love directing I think the serendipity of it was I was brought on to direct at Sacred Fools for a late night show Mm -hmm. that was my like into the community and I've understudied for them and I've you know, collaborated with them in in different ways. But I felt like artistic director was something that I wanted to run for Mm. because I, you know, because I've had experience in so many areas of the theater. 
Right. You know, because I've been a designer, a stage manager, an actor, a director, it felt like, okay, so if I can allow myself to essentially be in an advisory role and help choose the direction of the seasons, help advise productions from all these angles, right? then I'll actually be able to serve people to the best of my ability. Whereas if I do something like if I take on a directing project, it's my project. Oh, so it has that kind of like personal investment as opposed to like the big picture. Correct. Mm, it, it kind of locks me in to this one thing, which can be fine. And I'm sure might kind of come back at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. But I've actually made the decision that while I'm artistic director, I'm going to be extremely judicious about taking on theater projects. Mm. because I feel like my role right now is to shepherd these other creative ventures into existence. So I don't want to hyper-focus. Right. And it sounds like you get a lot of that personal investment in your voice acting work. Oh, absolutely. It's, I would in fact say it's like the thing. Yeah. You know, it, it requires that I view myself as a brand and that I you know, that in many ways that I sell that and that I outline it for people so that they understand what it is. Right. And I was wondering about that, like, outside of this podcast, you and I had talked about how someone had commented on the fact that you also had songs posted on your YouTube. That's right. That was a a really interesting incident. Yeah. So recently I was approached by a producer who I met uh, here in LA, letting me know that an opportunity had come up and he had pitched me for it, but that he hadn't submitted my YouTube channel among my materials because my weekly song cover series is on there. And I, again, I was kind of surprised because to my thinking, that's just part of my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, for him, it communicated, she wants to be a singer. Mm. So he thought it might be confusing to other producers to see that I sing because they might think I'm not committed to other things oh. enough, I suppose. But I think that's such a misunderstanding of what the task of acting is. Right. I remember it It struck me because mm-hmm. I would think that someone would be excited to see that someone was doing something versatile with their voice if they were submitting them for voice acting. Sure. And that's another thing. I don't know the details of whether he was submitting me, say, as an on-camera host or for voiceover. I I don't have clarity on that. But but clearly in this person's mind, like a musical aspiration was different than what he was pitching me for, which I respect. I'm curious about that. That was one of the questions that I had thought of when I was thinking of the podcast was why... Why does society define us by one passion? Why do we define people by one passion? Like you and I had talked about Basquiat, how Basquiat is defined by his painting, despite the fact that he made other art. Absolutely. Like, why do we do that to people? Hmm. That almost sounds like the human desire to be able to have a grasp on something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's also, frankly, (laughs) what does this say about my dark brain? But I was going to say, it's easier to dismiss someone's opinion mm, if you think they can only specialize one in one thing. thing. Um, That's an interesting point that you're like, well, you're not an expert in this and therefore it doesn't count. Absolutely. Um, something that comes to mind too, 
just to circle back real quick, as you said, singing is so related to vocal ability mm-hmm. and it's so related to like control, you know, of your yeah, overall breathing. vocal mechanism. But for me, the song cover series is also about exploring songs and lyrics that I like. Mm. So something else that also came to mind for me was like, well, maybe for him, it seems off topic. You know, it seemed maybe he maybe he doesn't even think the singing is very good. Maybe he thinks it's cheesy. You know, it's it's hard to say. Right. So I think for artists, it's. It's always important to remind yourself of why you do the art Mm. and the why doesn't have to be enough of a why to convince your mom that it's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be a huge why, just yeah. maybe a lowercase why. It just has to be enough of a why for you. I know for me that series was about me re-engaging with music, kind mm-hmm. of letting the world know that I sung at all because I was really shocked that having been in L.A. for four years, some of my closest friends didn't know that I sang. Yeah. So for me it was important to kind of reclaim that notion, you know, that I, that I was a singer and that music is a big part of the way that I hear the world as well. So yeah, part of me wants, thinks that we want to simplify other people just because it makes us feel like we have a better handle of what's going on. Got it. Got it. So then it's almost like we can get the platonic ideal of like, ah, this is this person. They do this thing. Sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised, for example, if this producer thinks, well, you, you're an actor. You want to be an actor, right? Why are you doing all these other things? And it's like, well, because I'm also, for example, an idealist. So, of course, I want to lead a democratically run theater company. Right. Right. Of course, right. I want to make art with my friends. And, and I love voice acting. And I also love the fact that I interface with clients currently. Mm-hmm. And again, maybe mm-hmm. that'll change when I'm just, you know making the big bucks and I have an assistant or something. But for the time being, that producer side of it Mm -hmm. is kind of what got me hooked on voice acting. It sounds like you actually really do enjoy bringing people together on a project, whether it is through theater or whether it's in voice acting. It sounds like you actively enjoy that part of it. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting overlap that you're like, oh, I can use that strength in both of these areas. Yes. Because some people really don't like that. (laughs) Some people are like, I would like to sit in my converted closet, thank you, and not interact with anybody else. (laughs) Oh, sure. And I I think I've commented to you before, but even within the realm of voice acting, there is such a variety of work that can be done. I, for example, am not attracted to the long-form content. Right. So... Audiobooks, as much as I devour them, it's how I get my reading done. I can't fathom doing a 16-hour audiobook. (laughs) The idea strikes fear into my heart. You would explode out of your converted closet. I I would. There would be be smoke and and sparks. (laughs) It would be like Back to the Future, but contained in a four by, by six. The things that I do love, exactly. The things that I do love are things like bilingual commercial campaigns. Mm-hmm. And you can bet that I'm also looking at the grammar on those because sometimes the translations that come in aren't great. Right. And I see it as my responsibility to make sure that 
a Spanish-speaking audience is being spoken to in a way that's compelling and respectful and engaging. So those are the kinds of interfacing with client that I have clients that I have to do where I feel like I bring value because I remind them what the task at hand is, which is getting a Spanish speaking audience to feel heard and interested in your product. And like you are serving them. Yes. Yes. And that's the way in which commercials kind of fits in with my overall vibe ethos. Yeah. And I also have another client who's an e-learning client for children. And for them, I get to do a variety of voices. I'm the narrator. I'm, I can play both a little girl or a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I switch back and forth when I do audiobooks for them. Right. But it's shorter form. It's content that I tend to find really heartwarming because it reminds me of what it's like to experience the world for the first time. Oh, Yeah. And that... That gets me excited in a different way. Um, And then there's something like video game, which again is kind of engaging in those acting sensibilities and the part of me that's maybe a little darker. Right. And that's rewarding and exciting and like adrenaline pumping. But again, that's me as a voice actor. And I have kind of come to the conclusion that these are three areas where I really enjoy what I do. Right. But I could have just as easily decided... IVR telephonies for me. Yes. There is there is an actress out there who has branded herself as like the telephone voice. Wow. And I'm sure she gets a lot of clients because among other things, if I'm just a corporation that's like, oh my God, I need to update my phone thing. I'm just going to look up phone voice. Yeah. And then there's, there's her. They'll find her and she'll have done so many of these that I'm mm-hmm. sure it is she she must have her workflow so sorted out. She's got a real cool closet. She's got an amazing closet. And and she's and she's a happy clam. You know, where people awesome. who come from a corporate background and go into right. voiceover. You know, they they're excited to be able to do the training once and get paid for it and have and be like, this good. module right, <laughs> that can be brought to the world. I'm curious, you had mentioned that you like to give value to the world. I'm curious what in both Theater and in voice acting gives value back to you. Ooh. Um, Theater feels easy because, like I said, it's my theater church. And for me, it very much satisfies my extroversion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think it also strengthens my belief that people are creative and wonderful and persistent and have grit. Yes. So it just surrounds me with an ethos that I'm very nourished by. Mm. And then Mm. with voice acting, after years of struggling to get traction in on camera stuff and Mm -hmm. really kind of feeling like, like I had two left feet. um, There was this sense of, originally there was this sense of reward because I started getting traction and I'm like, Oh, people are responding to this. People need this. So that, again, was was maybe what helped propel my business and helped me focus and get that going. Got it. And now, like, I'm not going to lie, the financial component is absolutely a part of what's satisfying about it, is mm-hmm. knowing that I can support myself, knowing that I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think as artists, it's really important to remind ourselves that what we do is valuable. Because I was just speaking to a graphic designer friend who I really, really respect, who's also a fine artist. So Mm -hmm. again, I could pigeonhole her. 
And let's do it for the sake of this, <laughs> this one for story. For brevity, that's, yeah, that's what I feel like occasionally as we pigeonhole because of brevity. Yeah. It's like, how much can you say as a tagline for someone that's not a Homeric epic? Absolutely. So in her case, I know her as a graphic designist and artist, and I pitched her for a project. Mm -hmm. But she was actually asking me, you know, how do you pitch yourself to new people? Like, oh. for example, we went to the same uh, university. Mm-hmm. So I had told her, hey, I've decided I'm going to start reaching out to people and just letting them know that I'm that I'm doing this. Oh, that's a cool idea. Yeah, no, and I, look, I just need a couple of people working at a political consultancy or a marketing agency. Yep. And yep. I just think that personal touch, again, just says something about who you are and how you are, why you're coming into someone's life. Right. 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 It's providing someone, it sounds like it keeps going back to value where it's like, Absolutely. what value am I providing to you? Yeah. And then you feel valued in return when you can give them that. Totally. And in her case, what I told her was, well, you know, remind yourself that you could be saving them a lot of trouble. You yeah. Know? If you are the right fit for them, you sending that email might mean that, oh, I don't have to search for who my web designer is because right. you're here. Because you appeared. Yeah. And we have a similar college experience and maybe you know a friend of a friend and they speak highly of you and it just puts you on a different trail than if you have right. to start from zero. Right. That makes total sense. I really like that you advise them that way because actually the question that I'll ask at the end mm -hmm. is what advice you'd give. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> like, wait for it, wait for it. <laughs> I am curious about about what money means to you because it does seem to be coming up a fair bit when talking to other people too about how do you value your art when for instance you might be spending a lot of time on your art but it's not bringing in money and then there might be something else that is bringing in money but that you don't personally value so what role does money play I guess hmm. as you know because you're my close friend. <laughs> I just finished reading You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. And I feel like it really helped me address a lot of, I think, the, the guilt and the like inaccessibility of money mm. that I kept telling myself was, was an issue. Mm -hmm. Because... Just to talk about, you know, a pain point, because I think that's how we're going to get to the interesting stuff. My on-camera acting ventures are easily a, you know, are, are in the in the red. Is that what we would say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, in the so red. Yeah, so you're, you're putting more money in than you're, yeah. Than Absolutely. You're Got it. And I have definitely had to kind of sit down with myself and say, okay, is this mm -hmm. working? Am I feeling... You know, is, is this an area where we can still grow or is this mm -hmm. an area where we're feeling like, like, like you said, like nothing is being gained from putting right, into it. Right. And I'm still in the, the throes of, of giving it a try because, gotcha. you know, because I think at the end of the day, it, it is for me about what I believe myself capable of. Mm, got it. Um, I'm sure there's some like underlying feeling of I deserve to be seen or I deserve to like um, have an impact. In and that arena. Yeah. I was going to say in that arena for now, that's that's kind of what my brain has 
decided right. is like an interesting way. But I think what I'm discovering as I get older and also as I'm exposed to different things and I try different things is that does come out in other ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So I am being seen and heard and my community values me because that's how I got elected into, yeah. you know, being a co-artistic director. So, you know, I, I'm always kind of watching that. It's always in the back of my, of my mind, you know, what, right. what my intentions are going into something. Um, because like you said, if you're not getting money, which we're taught is this very concrete example of what you do has value, right? right. then how else do you track that value? And, and again, I think for me, acting has, acting has its value in the sense that it forces me to be self-aware sometimes in a way that is unhelpful right because you've seen me be like I don't know if my hair is like the right hair for me yes (laughs) and I think we can put that on like a low priority you you watched me try on what three different pairs of shoes to walk to a cafe I'm with you on this (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know I'm always gonna have an eye on things like that but I do think it's it's also made me observe myself it's what the song cover series on youtube had me do too where i would look at myself and i would be like huh you know what does what do my expressions say what does my interpretation say am i performing in a way that feels authentic to me Mm. or am i having some weird relationship with the camera where like maybe it's evident that i'm trying too hard oh so like is revealing yourself to yourself oh yeah Yeah. i if You know, putting yourself on camera and I'm sure even listening to this podcast, there's going to be moments of, oh, yeah, that's a thing that I do. Yeah. And I didn't know that before. Yeah. When you see yourself from outside yourself, it's fascinating. And I think that's where self-compassion becomes really important, at least for me, because I have a perfectionist streak and... Yeah, if you can kind of look at yourself and at least be amused by your idiosyncrasies, (laughs) I think that's when you get to start having a lot of fun, right? Yes, yes. So the question was, what is the role of money in how you define yourself? And it sounds like in a way from what you were describing, it sounds like you look both at financial value of things but you also look at internal value and maybe value outside of commerce absolutely and again and i think i think money is important i think mm-hmm. as creative people it's really important to feel like you can stand up for yourself and get yeah. what you need yeah and that you open your mind to the possibilities of what can earn you money with your skill set That sounds like how you got into voice acting, honestly. Absolutely. Because all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I feel comfortable editing sound. I feel comfortable teaching myself using online resources how to work this. And I already have two languages that I'm absolutely fluent in. Let's let's give it a whirl. Yeah. And the fact that you were open to it, that's what is really interesting to me. Oh, absolutely. Because I could have said, no, I'm going to go and keep doing on-camera acting and not focus on anything else because I'm going to beat this till it's, till it's done. Right, right. Um, that being said, now that I think of it, I could also mention projects that I've started that didn't gain traction. Yeah. 
So, for example, I got certified as a secular celebrant by right. the Center for Inquiry. And that's because, you know, I'm, I'm an atheist, agnostic, secular person, secular humanist. And I thought, hey, it would make me feel really good in terms of, like I said, being there for people, yeah. fostering community, all, all these other things that you've kind of heard are my core values. Yeah. But I put together a website and I had business cards and I, I actually led a memorial service at one point. But I realized that the amount of effort that it was taking to do that emotional labor and to make myself available when wedding plans or yeah, whatever came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was not getting the value. I see. Which was your, your question earlier. Yeah. And I just kind of had to stop and be like, ooh, you know, sunk cost. You know, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I need to say goodbye to the business cards and the website. And I need to just kind of humble myself and be like, I'm bowing out. This isn't the right thing for me. Mm-hmm. And there's also been theater productions that I've been involved in where luckily those tend to have like a pretty clear start and stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. But sometimes you end a project and you think, huh, maybe next time I'll make sure that the producers feel really comfortable communicating over email because I'm not satisfied with conducting business over text message. Oh. And that's like a very yeah, basic yeah, yeah. example, but that's that was good rehearsal for dealing with clients now as a freelancer. Got it. And being able to draw some boundaries around this is the quality of work that I do and this is how I use my time and how I feel comfortable with people making demands of my time. Right, right. And, and yeah, and then just being able to say, we have a difference in, in values. Right, and know? being able to recognize that it's a difference. It's not necessarily you're good. I'm good, you're bad, I'm bad. It's just we are on different pages. But if you're an audiobook company and you need someone who within a week can turn around, you know, several thousand words of manuscript and have it edited and proofed and all this stuff. You're like, that's not me. Absolutely not. That sounds terrifying. (laughs) That sounds like a job for someone else. Yeah. But if you're someone who's like, oh my God, can you be available in an hour and we'll hop in your studio and we'll do a directed session and we'll do English and Spanish and you'll send me the files. And it's like, yep, and I'll send you an invoice within half an hour of that. Yes, you're like, we're good. Super efficient. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it sounds like both of these things and all of the things you've done, even the things you've stopped doing, have added a lot of value to your life. They have. And even with the secular celebrant thing, I felt a little sad when I let it go because... Again, because that sense of community and honoring are so important to me. Mm. Um, yeah, you, like you mentioned that like the theater is now kind of like your version of what church used to fulfill. Absolutely. It's interesting hearing about community spaces because my last question that I wanted to ask was what advice you would give to either your younger self or to someone getting into either of these fields. And it sounds like, and tell me if I'm wrong, it sounds like it would be to get in alignment with your values and then go from there. Yes. And I am all for introspection, be it by things like journaling or meditation. I have a career coach who's been super helpful because I feel like, she introduced a lot of materials into my life that have been 
you know, challenging to some of mm -hmm. my self-limiting beliefs. I think mm -hmm. if I were to talk to my younger self, a big part of it is to be so much nicer to myself. I oh. think I, I have always felt a lot of pressure to do right by other people. Mm. And I think it comes from, you know, a very noble core. Like I said, I had a lot of kind of religious undertones to my upbringing. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely a sense of duty mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, involved in all of it. And I think that no doubt that that shaped me or at least resonated with some very core parts of my spirit. Mm -hmm. So, but I think it's also important to understand that we are human and we are on a journey and we have limitations. You know, there's only so much that can be done in a day. And to a great extent that the answers are never going to be external. Mm, that's a really great piece of advice. Yeah. I, I know I, I kind of spent a lot of time kind of in college, like sitting nervously on my bed and being like, what should I do? You know, like, well, you know, and I'll just throw it out there now because we're on the air and I haven't mentioned this, but I went to Harvard. So there was this big jump in my life from being in Puerto Rico in what is naturally kind of a very insular mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, situation to being on a liberal arts campus for an Ivy League institution. That's and feeling, a huge culture shock. Oh, yeah. And there was definitely this sense of, oh, someone made a terrible mistake. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, why am I here? And I think that why am I here question oh. is so... It's the underpinning of existence, right? It's What am I doing here? Yeah. And the thing is, no one has the answer to that except you. For right. whatever chemicals and stardust and <laughs> whatnot makes you who you are. So there's no doubt that finding that sense of purpose for yourself is, it's your life's work. Right. And I think I'm finally at a point where I'm willing to look at the things that are working and not working mm -hmm. and let myself do the work of figuring out what it is that I'm doing here. Yes. So, so be patient, be really nice to yourself. You're trying your best. I know you are. That's right. I'm talking to you. So just be quiet and listen to yourself. I like that. And I'm very much in favor of Adriana being nice to my friend Adriana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like Adriana. I like you. <laughs> You're such a gem. And actually, this reminds me. Speaking of value and approaching people from a place of value, I met you because you posted that you needed help with projections for an event. It's true. And I offered to help you for free. And that was like the nicest thing ever because I had, I'd committed to doing this event before I knew how to really do anything for the event. And that's so me too. <laughs> I am the kind of person who bites off something way bigger than I can chew, and then I figure it out. But but you reached out for help. Yes. And the thing is, programming projections is super easy for me. And you... So I, I did it with yeah. my left hand, you know? 
I was so grateful to that because you were like, oh, you use this program, you set it up this way, this is how it goes. And I was so appreciative that I was like, oh, my new internet friend. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And now, and now we have a great friendship. It's been years. Yeah. Yeah. That was a few years ago that I ran. Yeah. And that I that was bananas. It was bananas, but it was so brave of you and you putting that energy out there and allowing me to help you, you know, it gave us a friendship because now it's several years down the road. Uh That's like a blip on our radar. And we still have great conversations about art and about, you know, the human mind and all these fun things. So, so yeah, see, that's the kind of stuff where coming from a place of value, the things... The things that you think are easy for you can be so valuable to someone else. Yes. Yes. Like, because I, I helped yes. you make a good impression and I took all this stress off of your plate with something that I was able to do very easily. And it made me feel so good. Yeah. And, I, and I had, I knew in my mind that I was like, yes, of course I met Adriana through the Beyond Books event. But when I think about it that way, I'm like, Oh, that's in perfect alignment with both of our values. Because one of my problems is sometimes knowing when to reach out for help because mm. I will, I'll be like, yeah, of course I can do whatever the task is. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, have I ever done this task? Mm, no. Do I know how to do this? No. Am I going to back out? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I can relate to that because <laughs> I absolutely am someone who when offered help, often doesn't know what to do about it. I'm like, right. you want to help me? That's that's how I felt when you responded. I'm like, you have this knowledge and you just want to give it to me? Yeah. And I vastly appreciate it. I feel like that is a dynamic of our relationship, that you're like, oh, you have this thing I don't have, you want to share? And each of us are like, yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> well, and that's... That's the way the world works, at least for us, right? Yes, yes. So I feel like so much of finding your place in the world and your higher purpose is finding other people with which you can effortlessly do that. You can have that give and take. You un- yes. You share those similar values. And that just helps everything move along and things get accomplished. Exactly. And then everyone feels good. And we get to work on our projects. We get to better mental health. We drink a really inordinate amount of coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, yes. I'm having a green juice today, though, so that counts for something. Spoiler, I got to Adriana after she had her coffee. This is true. (laughs) I was up at 7 a.m., which doesn't normally happen. I I was not. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm excited that this is another project that you have going on, Miss Thang. Yeah. Miss Talented Thang. Thank you. I really appreciate you joining me because I had thought of this podcast because I realized I did not really have any any role models for myself. Mm. Like that was when I first started on this path. I was like, cool, I'm a musician and a therapist and a tutor and no one else I knew really was doing that. And I felt out of place in all of those worlds because I was in all of them simultaneously like a tripod. Ooh, but it yeah. looks like what you're realizing is when you actually think about who are people like me defined as people doing multiple things and exploring those things, you have started to see them everywhere. Yep. Oh, now Bingo. they're coming out of the woodwork. Yep. You found it. You 
You're a sharp one, Adriana. Hey, and that that just goes to that idea of what you focus your mind on, you attract. Yes. You know, when you yes. started not thinking in terms of no one else is like me, I'm all alone in this, and you started thinking, well, who are the other idealistic, multi-talented, creative people? Surprise! Surprise! If you look, this took me two minutes to write this list, podcast listeners, if you look. (laughs) This is a sizable list. I just showed Adriana a list that I wrote of all the guests that are going to be on this show, and in under, like, two minutes, I wrote easily 25 names, so be prepared. So let's just embrace that we're these dynamic, beautiful souls. It's what Jonathan Van Ness would want. There you go. So be prepared, listeners. You're you're gonna hear a lot of these podcasts. <laughs> what a gift. <laughs> and my cackle laugh. You're gonna get a lot of my cackle laugh. It's a really good one. It's, I it's am an about enthused it. one. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Adriana. Thank you. And thank you. you, listeners. Go have a wonderful day. Yay! Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Why Not Both. If you would like to learn more about Adriana Colon's work, you can check out her website, which I've linked to on my own website, which is wnbpodcast.com. Thank you again for tuning in. Please don't forget to like us and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And I'm really excited about next week's interview. Thank you again. Oh, <laughs>